Welcome to Green and Gold Rugby Podcast number 169. My name is Hugh Cavill and I'll be taking you through tonight. Another big week of Super Rugby coming up, as well as some great games last weekend. We've got a good guest coming up, but here to join me first up, Will McDougall, Braveheart. How are you? Very well, thanks, Hugh. I mean, so, yeah, did certainly survive, some, sorry. I mean, did you survive hard like me without having a Waratahs game, having to be forced forced into... Watching other teams and actually paying attention to what other teams are doing this week. Yeah, definitely. It meant there wasn't a focal point of the weekend, I guess. So I had to certainly enjoyed the other games and um, yeah, but uh, probably less nerves than usual, seeing as the Waratahs weren't playing. So yeah, well, yeah, it was good. Ready to ramp those nerves right up this weekend with the festival of hate, the Reds Waratahs game, which we'll get to in a bit. But I suppose we'll start out by talking about the round of Super Rugby. Then we've got. Blake Enova, the uh, new Brumbies player, formerly with the Reds, and Queensland country in the NRC. He's coming on to have a chat. But we'll start by talking about last round of Super Rugby, round three. And we started out on Friday afternoon with with the Reds going down to the Highlanders uh, over there in Dunedin. Will, I didn't get to see this one. Uh, what were your thoughts? Look, I thought... It was probably a pretty close game, and, and I thought the Reds were were in it sort of pretty much the whole way, probably right until sort of um, the Highlanders scored pretty late in the game that uh, sort of put it out to sort of 10 points, and then that was probably game over. The Reds got a penalty goal back to get the bonus point. But, um, yeah, right up until that point, I really thought the Reds, it was there for the taking for them, and they just couldn't do enough. Um, I guess uh, James O'Connor sort of, played his first game for the Reds and played uh, in the crucial number 10 role and, and has certainly copped a bit of criticism during the week. But, look, I, th- I thought it was a little harsh. I thought he was one of their be- their best players. Um, and, uh, yeah, probably some of the players outside of him needed to, to make some more opportunities. Um, you always know O'Connor's going to run the ball a lot. That's the style of player he is. And players sort of like... Um, Samu Karevi and stuff should have been uh, off his shoulder a few more times looking for that pass. But uh, I guess the biggest break of the game that uh, O'Connor made, uh, he sort of, no one really went with him. So, look, he, he's uh, going to get another go there, it seems, against the Waratahs this weekend. So we'll be hoping he doesn't really improve. But uh, Reds fans certainly will be hoping it gets better for him. Yeah, yeah. obviously his first game back. I mean, we're going to talk more about the Reds later in in a new segment for the podcast, so make sure you stay tuned to that. But, uh, I mean, obviously it's a little bit of a a bump after their their good win last week against the Force. I mean, the Highlanders are a good side, aren't they, Will? I mean, they'll be there again at the business end, but obviously the the forwards probably were a little bit out-muscled. Yeah, just just a little bit, but probably was pretty evenly matched in that regard. Um, there was sort of, I think it was one it was one try each, and it just came down to uh, penalty goals, really. So um, probably just the Reds didn't quite have the the kicking game and uh, didn't have that f- uh, field position, so that when they 
when the penalties were given away, they uh, they sort of cop points and um, didn't get the the same opportunities to kick penalty goals as they uh, they gave the Highlanders. And look, the Highlanders had a debutante um, uh, five eighth as well in Marty Banks, and he probably struggled more than O'Connor did to be uh, to be perfectly honest. Um, and look, the Fords Fords were probably reasonably even. I think um, the Reds sort of struggled to muscle up at times, but. Uh, Certainly weren't weren't outclassed. I don't think so. Look, it could have gone either way, but the Reds just didn't didn't really have enough. I don't think. Um, but yeah, certainly a few players coming back from injury. I think Ant, Ant Foyanga looked well short of a run, and and probably sort of fell off a couple of tackles, which is is not really customary for him. So look, they'll need to improve because I think I think the Waratahs will be better than the Highlanders. Um, and they certainly be, they certainly better be this weekend. And uh, but the Reds will be in front of their. Uh, they're uh, Lang Park um, faithful at Suncorp this weekend, so should be yeah. a cracker. Should be. So speaking of underperforming, um, then we go went over to the west and the force going down to the Hurricanes, 42-13, with the scoreline blowing out a little bit in the end, but you've got to say that's a pretty close reflection as to how the game went. Well, for me, certainly. I mean, uh, the Hurricanes were always on top and the force just never looked in it, did they? Oh, the the force were pretty hopeless, and the Hurricanes were really good. So it uh, it certainly certainly became a bit of a blowout, and um, really the uh, the only bit of joy for the force came uh, right at the end when they scored. Uh, I think in the seventy sixth minute or something with their, uh, their new recruiter Mitchell Scott, who's uh, come across from New Zealand, scored a try. But yeah, things aren't looking good for the force. It's sad to say they um, they sort of got completely smashed and. Um, Look, the Hurricanes team are, do look very good this year, and, and things are clicking for them finally. But um, lots of work to do for the uh, the Force. Their scrum struggling. The back line looks pretty uh, stilted. Um, I really don't agree with the uh, like. Kyle Godwin's moved out to thirteen, and uh, um, Junior Rasalia playing at twelve, and and I really don't think it's looking good for working for them at all. It's they've got no pen- penetration in that back line, and and not a lot of variety happening. Yeah, they've, they've always struggled in that back in that back line, haven't they? The force. I don't, I don't think you can ever say they've been a, a well-oiled unit. But I think you know it's their forwards that they're, they're being they're being shunted off in, and and I think they're really missing Matt Hodgson. And then of course they lost Chris Alcock as well, who's who's also a fantastic player. So down to their third choice seven, and and Hodgson last year last season was such a talisman for them, and getting over the line, you know, like five or six times I seem to remember, and. And and so it's just all starting to to come a little bit awry, and and of course now they face a trip trip to Canberra. So you got to say it's 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 not all looking rosy over there in the West. Not at all. They're pretty much uh, Ben McCalman's a bit of a one man band at the moment. Um, he's putting in very good performances despite being in in a side that's getting thoroughly outclassed, but uh, which is commendable commendable to him. And he certainly, I think. Showing his his real class that he's he's a first choice wallaby and uh, but he needs other people to go with him. I thought yeah. Steve Murphy was good in patches and um, he certainly looks to be a really good recruit for the force. Um, he sort of gets involved. He's sort of quite physical and he he sort of makes some good runs as well. So um, and it sounds like uh, I think he will be playing six this weekend because Angus Cottrell uh, rolled his ankle. Um, and they do welcome back Chris Alcock, so that that's good for them. But uh, look, a lot of work to do, and they're going to have to work really hard in Canberra not to get flogged this weekend. So, uh, 
it's certainly not a pretty picture for the force at the moment. Yeah, true. Although worth worth remembering, they got tailed up by a pretty similar scoreline last season in the first round by the Waratahs and 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 came back for a good year. So we hope we hope the Force can rebound. Um, then we went went to that Saturday night game between the Brumbies and the Rebels. Brumbies getting up twenty points to fifteen, and you got to say the Brumbies probably did it without the bulk of possession. The Rebels probably had a good spells where they were right in the game, but the Brumbies were just a little bit too clinical in the Rebels' half, and, and although the Rebels really gave them a fright in those last four or five minutes, as, as Blake Enever is going to tell us about later, um, the Rebels went right down and almost scored to, to clinch the game. But uh, Brumbies held out, and, and in the end were just too good, weren't they, Will? They certainly were, and... Um... Yeah, just their discipline has been really good. Uh, discipline in terms of uh, um, their structures and defence and things. like They, they do give away, uh, as we've become accustomed to over the last few years, they give away quite a lot of penalties. But their, their discipline in um, in just sort of keeping their, their structures, keeping their defensive line intact is, is very good. And I think uh, after three games, they've only let in one try and, again, denied the Rebels any tries in that game. And uh, that got them home. And... But look, I think this was a pretty pretty good game in the scheme of things. They were played in sort of some wet conditions, and the Rebels certainly stuck it to them and and have been pretty unlucky. Like they they could have got up last week against the Waratahs if things had gone their way in the last sort of ten minutes, and they could have got up in this game, um, sort of having a, I guess attacking until well after the siren and, and having another penalty opportunity to really have a crack at that Brumbies line, and and they just couldn't do it. But um, yeah, they've. They could so easily be three from three rather than one from three if things had gone their way. So, yeah, looking good in Melbourne, I have to say they're they're a much improved team. They just just need a bit of bit bit better finishing from that back line, maybe. Yeah, you, you get the impression that they are almost there, aren't you? And, and certainly that was a great performance against the Brumbies team, who who played pretty well. And you would have thought those conditions in the second half would have really suited them, as it started pissing down and and they they sort of had a bit of a lead and, and could shut up shop, as the Brumbies can do quite well. But uh, the Rebels kept coming at them. I mean, ultimately, that, that rolling mall is looking like such a weapon for the Brumbies this year, and they scored, uh, well, they should have had one try off it uh, with uh, Butler um, dropping the ball over the line, called back by the TMO. But um, we, was, we were talking about before offline, it's a bit of a controversial subject, the rolling mall this week, given what's happened in the Six Nations as well. Um and and how you can legally defend them all if you can at all. Yeah, it's it seems just a, a very difficult thing that really favours the attacking side. Um, you just you take that ball down the line out, and and really, a, unless the the attacking teams kind of slow to move the ball, there's no chance to sack the sack the jumper immediately, and it, you end up with this sort of flying wedge and. Um, that if if they're sort of well disciplined and they they get the players together, they really it's really hard to stop. And you you see the Brumbies they get that structure right where they've sort of got the players in position, and then it just it might have stalled a little bit, but then a couple of the backs you you always see Matt Tamura will charge into that uh, into that mall, and that will give them the momentum again. And um, and it's led, led to it's probably half their tries this season have come from it. I'd say so. It's been very effective, but um, sort of becoming pretty controversial because, uh, as you said, it's it seems almost impossible to defend. Um, yeah, and and probably 
not the contest rugby's all about, really. Um, that it's it's hard to know what the defensive defensive team can do apart from um, really just trying to push. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they can't right. sack it if it's well formed. You can't get that player through to sort of disrupt it, and um, yeah, hard to know what to do. Yeah, well, it's an interesting one. Bringing it back to the game, though, I've got to say, I really like Sean McMahon's performance on Saturday. He, again, really burst onto the scene at the end of last season for the Wallabies there and, and you know, had, had a few good games and a few probably quiet games in goal. But you feel like this could be the year where he really establishes himself. And, and with Scott Fardy coming back, um, you've you got to say, there's a pretty hot competition for that number six jersey. Yeah, and certainly uh, I don't know if McMahon's the man for that that job at the Wallabies. Like I think he's just probably a bit small, and a Test level might ultimately end up being a seven. But um, he's certainly there or thereabouts, and and really becoming a dynamic Super Rugby player. Like you'd say, he's one of the Rebels' best every week now, and and one of the players they really look to to get them going forward. I think he had the most run meters out of their forwards, and uh, sort of gets through plenty of work as well. Um, so he's he's a very he's a class player already at such a young age, um, and the other young guy I thought who really stood up was um, the fly half Jack Debris. Benny, I thought that he had his best derby game so far, and 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 really controlled the back line much better than he than he has in the past. They sort of looked more threatening, uh, had a few more sort of uh, line breaks and sort of defenders beaten sort of further out wide, and and it was probably just players out further out wide from him that. Uh, let them down in attack rather than because he'd certainly created some opportunities, but uh, it was a good game from him, which is pleasing to see because he, I guess he's been on the uh, radar for a while after coming through the, the under twenties a couple of years ago. Yeah. Good to see him growing into the role and let's hope he keeps on doing it. So that, that was the round round three other results. I suppose if I have to go through them, the cheaters getting up over the blues to ruin my tipping for the week. And then the, Bulls beating the Sharks and a high scorer at Loftus and, and the Stormers getting up over the Lions. So that was the round of Super Rugby. We're just going to pause for a second and and, and uh, I'm going to bring in Blake Enova and we're going to have a bit of a chat. So uh, let's go to that now. Okay, I am now joined by New Brumbies recruit and uh, former Queensland Reds player, Blake Enova. Uh, Blake, how are you? I'm good, mate. How are you? Not too bad. Welcome to the Green and Gold Rugby Podcast. Obviously, another major career milestone for you as uh, you you uh, move forward in your rugby career. Uh, I, I think we'll start by uh, getting you to tell us a little bit about yourself. Obviously, from the Sunshine Coast, uh, born and bred. Uh, yes, mate. This will have to be one of the highlights, I have to say. But um, yeah, I'm I'm from originally from Sunshine Coast. Uh, I was there till I was about 18. I did my whole schooling at Sunshine Coast Grammar School um, and then yeah moved down to Brisbane about 18-19 originally for uni but then the opportunity sort of worked out and I got to be a part of the red system for a couple of years which is good and um, yeah it's sort of just gone on from there probably pretty rugby dominated for the last four or five years with you know touching a bit of study and things here and there but um yeah, happy with the move down to Canberra at the moment. Yeah, well, let, let's go back a little bit to your time at the Reds. Um, obviously, making your debut there, playing that game in 2012. Um, 
talk us through your time there. I mean, you're obviously there for uh, a few seasons there as part of the EPS as well. Um, what was the setup like there? Obvi- obviously, uh, through some good times and bad times for the Reds in, in those years? Uh, yeah, exactly, mate. Um, I started off, obviously, with the academy. I had like people like Paul Carrozza sort of asked me to come down for a session here and there, and then I sort of couldn't get rid of me, which was, which was good. But um, I sort of took what I could get. And then, uh, t- yeah, toward the end of 2012, there was a few injuries, things like that. And um, uh, Link has, has sort of got me to come into the squad, do a bit of training, and then I was lucky enough. I was actually 23rd man at the time, um, and then t- went down to Melbourne with the team, did the Ioni. Uh, got a got a bit sick the night before, and they sort of pulled me in. So, first of all, I didn't really expect to replace a winger, but um, I, I took what I could get, and it ended up getting some time that game. So, mate, that was that was unreal. So, and from then on, I think he, he kept me around, and I was on the EPS for a few years, and you know, a few things might not have gone my way, but I, I enjoyed my time. Um, you know, learned learned. A hell of a lot of, of some great players. So, and I got to you know play a fair bit of club with with East and Brisbane. We ended up uh, winning the premiership in 2013. So, had a lot of good times. And um, yeah, obviously a, a bit of disappointment and things like that. But um, you know, overall, I think it was pretty positive. Yeah, exactly. So then last year, obviously, you were part of the NRC for, for Queensland Country. Um, Obviously, you know, we're big supporters of the NRC and it was great to see uh, the competition run so well. Queensland Country probably weren't, uh, as, as didn't all go as planned for Queensland Country, but still it must have been a, another really great experience for you. Oh, yeah. That was possibly, you know, the most enjoyable rugby experience I've had in a while, um, just because of all the games and there was a you know, fair bit of travelling and things like that. And personally, I was coming back from, uh, I sort of tore the, the bicep tendon, so that was a bit of a touchy injury, and it, it pulled me back about halfway through NRC. So I got the last four games, but it, yeah, it was really enjoyable. Um, it was sort of different kind of rugby. Uh, personally, with the Queensland Country Boys, I, I really enjoyed it. There was a lot of club club boys that sort of came in and, yeah, a lot of them volunteering their time, so they were there definitely to you know, enjoy themselves and, and give it a real crack. So everyone was pretty committed. Um, but when it came to the end of it, you know, we only win win away and a couple of bonus points from making the finals. It was all pretty close through there. So yeah, um, yeah. So it was pretty pretty good overall. I really enjoyed there, and I see. Yeah, I mean, how, how did you find it compared to your time at the Reds? In, in obviously moving from that professional professional environment to the what you would call the semi-professional. I mean, I know Queensland Country, especially like a few teams, were probably trying to take it, bring the enjoyment back into it a little bit more, take the game out to the community. I mean, do, do you think that made a difference as to how you enjoyed your rugby? Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, again, we played up at, at Townsville. That was our home game against the Sydney Stars. I mean, they, they had a really good turnout. Uh, yeah, you know, a couple of thousand locals came to that. We had the captains on the day before. You know, they all turned up, and they really enjoyed it. And there was a lot of blokes from up north in our team. But in saying that, I thought they had the, the coaching staff had a really professional approach. I know Steve Meehan and 
Peter Wilkins and Gary Morgan and, and, and people like that. Um, yeah, they they ran the thing, ran the, the competition really well, and each week they had a different approach. I mean, they didn't drop any of their standards from what they set in the red setup. Yeah. So so then from there, uh, signing up with the Brumbies for this year. Uh, talk us through how that came about. Um, was that post NRC? Ah, uh, yeah, talk, yeah. Basically, at the end of NRC, um, we're sort of talking towards the end, and there's a you know, last couple of games there, and they've sort of given us a call and said, you know, there's an opportunity down here, and, and you know, I had to, had to think about it very shortly, and then um, yeah, I took it, and I thought it'd be a good a good place to sort of go down and keep pursuing this. That'd be career. Yeah. So, talk me through how how what's it like to come into a, a new team, uh, especially relocating like, as you have down to Canberra. I mean, uh, has it been a difficult experience to try and acclimatise and 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 become a part of the Brumbies, or has it has it been has it been easy? Um, I I thought it would be much harder, but um, a lot of the players down here I've sort of touched base with along the way. I mean, I played. Played twenties with with you know half a dozen of the blokes, and I uh, sort of met you know the, the Smith brothers and then blokes like that who are in the Queensland system before they've come down, blokes like Tavita and you know Jared Butler and blokes like that. I had spent spent a bit of time with, so it wasn't sort of a you know totally fresh and a, a totally different transition. Um, but I mean yeah, relocating and things like that. Everyone's you know very helpful. And the drama was the it turned out to be about 19 hours driving down. I picked a good time when there was a Falls festival over Christmas. So, <laughs> so with all the things in the back seat, you know that was that was probably the worst of it. I mean, everyone has been really good coaching staff and, and people like that are very understanding. So no, it was all pretty smooth. Yeah. So, so in in that ACT setup, obviously it's all been running pretty smoothly for the last few years and seems to be running smoothly again this year. What what's been the difference between the the ACT setup and, and from your time at the Reds? Um, it's it's hard to say. Uh, they they're both they both run things differently. They've both got a you know different history. Um, I guess Queensland have the benefit of having a, a larger competition in the Brisbane competition you now with with depth and things like that. But um. And population. I don't know. You've got a lot of players that were born there, you know, grew up and then become a part of the system. But uh, ACT down here, the Bumbies that we're trying to, you know, a lot of people that are trying to grow the rugby down here. And, and from what I've seen, you know, it's, it's it's pretty good. It's a good standard. So um, there's a lot of good players down here. Uh, in, in pre-season, we had a lot of players come and join us, and then. Um, they've sort of filtered back to their clubs and things like that. So it's just different. Um, I guess we're all sort of looking after each other down here, being a bit more, um, I don't know, uh, we, we have breakfast and lunch provided at the at the, at, um, at HQ. So we sort of stay for the majority of the day and I guess we get to see each other a bit more. Um, not saying that that didn't happen in Queensland, but I mean, it's hard to go to a cafe up there where everyone could sort of sit and things like that. But um, 
That's just different, mate. Um, yeah, it's just a bit more close knit. You seem to. Yeah. You know, because it's a. Yeah, you get that feeling, but I mean. As well. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, <laughs> you're only five ten minutes away here from from HQ, and you know, there's boys sort of everywhere nearby, so you literally can't go to the shops without someone driving past and saying hello, and you know, which is which is different, but good. Yeah. Um. So Stephen Larkham, obviously first year as head coach, um, is is he a particularly hands-on coach, especially with the forwards, or or are you dealing more with um with Peter Ryan and um and and Dan McKellar? Uh, yeah, I, I think um he likes to touch base with the, every player from from what I can see, and I've definitely had a few chats with him, which has been which has been awesome, and over preseason, I guess when we split and do uh, units and things like that, that's more. Dan McKellar and, and Peter Ryan likes to poke his head in and definitely has some good input, definitely over pre-season. He's got a lot out of the boys. And um, I think they've, they're, they're structured, you know, really well. And, yeah, yeah Larkham, you know, becoming head coach, I think I, I don't know anything from what I've seen so far. But, I mean, he's been very sharp and... You know, he's explained everything he wants to get across, in my opinion, really well. So I think, you know, we're tracking tracking well so far this season and it just goes to show the work we've put in over the last couple of months. Yeah, well, it's been impressive so far. I mean, that talk me through the game on, on, on Saturday night. I mean, I believe it was your first first appearance coming on at the end there. But, I mean, how wet, how wet was it? How hard were those conditions? Yeah, um... I was pretty happy to get on at the end there. Uh, during the first half, you know, it was, you didn't even see the clouds coming over, but, you know, with 25, 30 minutes past, there was just black clouds and, you know, a bit stressing about that. But it, it all sort of started pouring down half-time and then, yeah, sort of set in a bit. Yeah, it was, it was pretty wet. Um, definitely enough to sort of put that edge on the ball and make it a bit of a... Bar of soap and things like that. So, um, I think both teams handled the conditions pretty well. Um, it was just sort of a, a gutsy effort at the end, I guess, to keep the Rebels from scoring that last, you know, four or five minutes where they tracked up the field. That was, um, yeah, it was good to come out the other end of that with a with a victory. Yeah. So, looking forward to this weekend. You got the Force at home. Um, I mean, what's your preparations been like for that? Obviously, a force can be pretty, pretty physical, pretty combative. Um, has it been sort of more of the same for this week, or, or is there any specific strategies you're going to employ? Uh, it's been pretty similar prep. Um, you know, with a Friday night game, your week's you know a bit different. You haven't got that extra day during the week, but specifically, I mean, the force. You know, they played well on the weekend and didn't really blow out. They played, you know, towards the end of the game, it sort of blew out a little bit. But, um, you know, they're, they're a good team and they can definitely turn up and, and take on some, you know, definitely take us on this weekend on Friday. So, you know, it's been similar week of prep. Um, specifically, you know, they they like to rumble up the, the middle of the field and things like that. So... Yeah, and just working on our set piece as usual. But I'm, I'm sure it'll be a pretty good contest on Friday. Yeah, yeah. So, mate, thank, thanks for your time. I mean, we'll finish finish with your 
last question. Are, are you looking to line up the NRC again with Queen? I mean, I suppose as a contracted player, you've probably got to got to be staying in um, Canberra, switching your allegiance, have you? Or or is that not yet been decided? Um, we haven't. I haven't spoken to anyone about it, but I'll I'll assume I'd you know I'll play for the Vikings down here now, and you know definitely hopefully try and enjoy it as much as I did with Queensland Country, but. Yeah, as far as I know, I think if you're down here, you you know, we'll, we'll play with the boys that you're going to play with the following year down here and try and continue building on those combinations. But, you know, things do change. I, you know, I have no idea, to be honest. With you. <laughs> a few more, hopefully get on a few more games during the season with Super Rugby and make that the focus for now. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Well, awesome. On behalf of everyone at the site, wish you all the best of luck for the season and certainly hope to see you Clock up plenty of minutes for the Brumbies as, as they march towards the title this year. Thanks very much, mate. No, no problem. Cheers, mate. Thanks very much. Okay, thanks to Blake Enover there. Really interesting chat and, and seems like a really good bloke. So wishing him all the best for a big 2015. Um, but that's enough about that. Let's move on to round four of Super Rugby and we'll run through the Australian games quickly, starting with... The Brumbies against the Force in Canberra. Now, Will, you'd say on the face of it, this seems like it's going to be a bit of a one-sided game. The Brumbies at home, always hard to stop and, and indeed were against the Reds in round one. And the Force really, you know, after that Hurricanes game, looking a bit worse for wear. Um, can you see this going anywhere other than a, than a big Brumbies win? Not really. The uh, the force would have certainly been doing some soul searching after uh, last Friday night's debacle. But um, look, it's a it's a tough trip to Canberra for any team, and look, the force will certainly welcome back Chris Alcock to give them a bit more competitiveness in uh, in the sort of the breakdown and stuff. But uh, look, I, I, I don't see them really being competitive in this game at all. Um, they could, they could be up up for another hiding. It just depends what what Brumby's team turns up and how clinical they are. But uh, yeah, I don't think this is going to be pretty for uh, Western Force fans on Friday night, unfortunately. Yeah, I've got to say I agree with you there, Will. It doesn't look good for the Force at all. You got to hope. You know, they've been in these situations in the past where we've written them off and we we predicted they're going to get flogged, and and they've come through and they've gritted it through. Uh, hopefully, this is going to be another one of those weeks where. They, they can pull out and really take it to the Brumbies in Canberra. Um, I've got to say, though, I can't see it happening. They just act. Without Angus Cottrell, too, that's a big blow. He's been in great form. And you've got to hope Ben McCarman can carry them to another good performance. But I've got to say, I can't see it happening. So I'm, I'm with you. I'm predicting a, a big, big Brumbies win because uh, they are looking in ominous form at the moment. Uh, anyway, let's move on to the main event of the weekend. I've got to say... Always a great game, regardless of how the teams are travelling. And it's going to be another example this weekend with the Reds against the Waratahs at Suncorp. Big crowd in for the first, what you'd say, the first real game at Suncorp after the after the rain-shortened uh, one the other week. Uh, Will, how do you see this one falling? You've got to think the Reds are going to be pretty fired up to take it to the Waratahs, as, as they always are. Yeah, they certainly will be, and I've I've certainly heard that during the week there's been um, plenty of uh, former Reds players calling up uh, and texting Richard Graham saying, "You've got to fire them up, We've got to got to demand blood and etc. etc." Really, sort of hoping for a spirited game from the Reds. So, look, I think it's going to be very physical. They, I guess these these encounters have the uh, 
the propensity to turn into pretty dour affairs unless one side really gets on top. Uh, so look for the for the sake of the fans, let's hope the Waratahs get well on top like they did last year and score a few tries. But uh, that's what I'll be hoping for. But um, I'm not sure I see it falling that way that easily this year. Uh, the Reds will be really fired up, and look, we haven't seen the Waratahs really hit their stride yet. So. Um, yeah, I think this is going to be close and um, a very important game for both sides. Like the uh, the Waratahs will really sort of be uh, um, up against it if they lose this one, I guess, and will start losing touch with the leaders. And uh, likewise, the Reds could put themselves in a pretty uh, pretty difficult position if they lose this one and um, I guess start the season one from four. Yeah, I mean, a lot of really interesting matchups, Will, and I'll ask you for your favourite one in a sec. So have a think about that, but. The, the one I'm really looking forward to, it, it's the, I suppose it's the obvious one, much like War and Croft back in the day, it's Hooper and Gill. And Liam Gill has started the season really well uh, for the Queensland Reds and probably been one of their standout players. And Michael Hooper, you know, Wallaby captain, he's got a target on his back. Uh, everyone will be coming after him this year. And, and while he had an absolute cracker of a game against the Rebels, uh, with Gill breathing down his neck, I think he's going to need a really big one if he wants to... Uh, Impress, I'd say impress Michael Checker. Uh, you got to hope he will as his as his Waratah coach. But uh, yeah, Hooper, Hooper, I am a big game from Hooper would go a long way to securing his spot for the World Cup. And if he, he can come out in the cauldron of SunCorp and, and lead the Waratahs to victory, well, uh, I think uh, that'll be a real boost for him and a real boost for the Waratahs. But uh, yeah, so what what's your matchup, Will? Look, I, I have to say I like the the matchup on the other side of the scrum between the uh, the two big imports for each side. So we've got uh, the South African Jacques Potgieter up against uh, the uh, the Kiwi uh, Adam Thompson and um, at blindside flanker, and that should be really good because they're both Adam Thompson's really been a revelation for the Reds already this season since he since he arrived. Um, he's really leading that forward pack and and has added that sort of both some um, physicality, but also some sort of dynamic ball running. And uh, as we found last year, Jacques Potgieter is really the, uh, he's sort of the leader in terms of the physicality and aggression for the Waratahs and just hurls himself into everything. So that matchup's going to be just great, I think. So uh, on both sides of the scrum are really key matchups and um, whoever wins those battles could go a long way towards uh, taking their team to victory. Yeah, I, I suppose you'll join me in tipping the Waratahs, but it, it wouldn't really wouldn't surprise me to see the Reds get up. I mean, they haven't. I can see, I can remember the last time I think the Reds beat the Waratahs was at uh, Homebush a few years ago with that try to Dom Shipley after the siren. But uh, it has been a, a pretty lean few years for the Reds in this in this clash, uh, considering before then they won for about seven years in a row. Uh, seven years I've sort of tried to forget through you know, years of therapy and, and hypnotism yeah. and all that sort of thing. Uh, so uh, obviously you tip the Waratahs. I'd suggest I'll tip them by two. What what have you got them by? Uh, look, I, I think they'll I think they'll put on a good performance. I think uh, Checker will have really sort of um, done a lot of work with them with the week off, and I'm tipping Waratahs by 12. And uh, look, I can't go past this one without mentioning uh, that Ben Robinson is is going to set an all-time Waratahs record for most games, uh, beating his uh, former teammate and hero, Phil War. So I think this is Robbo's 137th game for the Waratahs. 
um, which is an all-time record. And then uh, I think he's only a couple of weeks away from also taking the uh, Waratah Super Rugby game match record uh, to also surpass uh, Phil War. So I uh, expect to see Robbo le- leading the team out on uh, Saturday night. And it's good to see. Like, he's been such a good servant of the club and um, such a good team man for for a decade now. So Yeah, he has. You stole my thunder a bit there, Will. I was obviously going to mention that, Benny Robinson. But uh, great, great to see. Great to see. A really good servant of Australian rugby. And... Uh, yeah, wishing him all the best for Saturday night. So they're the only two Australian games this weekend. Well, we've got the Crusaders, Hurricanes and Rebels with the bye. Uh, and then in the other games, Cheetahs, Highlanders, uh, Blues against the Lions, Cheetahs against the Bulls and the Stormers against the Sharks. So an interesting round of round of footy as the competition continues to sort itself out. Uh, but... Enough of Super Rugby for now. Well, not quite, but uh, we're going on to our new segment, new segment that I'm, I'm creating this week uh, called Burning Questions. And, and obviously we'll have some theme music in time as this becomes a juggernaut and takes over the podcast. But basically the idea of this, Will, is it's just you and me. I'm going to give five. We've got five burning questions uh, from the week or looking at the season ahead. And you've got to give me a question. You've got to give me a definite yes or no answer. No sitting on the fence. That's the one rule. You can't sit on the fence. Yes or no answers. So without further ado, I'll go to question one. Will the Reds be the Australian Conference Wooden Spooners this season? Look, much to uh, the disappointment of uh, everyone else in the country apart from Queenslanders, I'm going to say no here. I think they're, uh, and that's probably only on the basis that the force look worse than they do. Uh, they're, they're sort of, they're struggling a bit at the moment, but um, eventually Quade Cooper will be back and so will some other player. Rob Simmons is sure to return at some point. Um, and whilst I think they're going to probably struggle this year, I don't think they're going to struggle as much as the force. So I'm, I'm going to predict that they won't, they will be uh, fourth on the uh, Aussie conference. I'm going to disagree with you there. I'm going to say they are. And and it, it pains me to say it because I do love the Reds. I, I love the Reds like I love all Australian franchises and I, and I want to see them do well. But I just think that the, the, fragment, the fragments are there. I think the, the cracks, so to speak, are there. And, and the early weeks, that big loss in Canberra and, and the loss of Carmichael Hunt and, and – you know, I'd be interested to see. I obviously didn't see him this week. What James O'Connor could do, and I agree with you. The Force are, are probably going to be uh, struggling as well this year. But with the Rebels looking really good and the Brumbies and the Waratahs looking good, uh, and that Force game, that was a close run thing. I mean, it was really the uh, the sheer force of will after the week that from hell that they had that kind of got them through that game. Uh, I really worry, and they, and their injured list is long and and continues to get longer at the moment it's not really I mean, they've got a few of the backs coming back but still their guns are a long way from coming back uh, in Quade Cooper and I know Rob Simmons is still a little bit away um, I'm, I'm not super confident and and I worry that that uh, the rot might set in and, and and I hope that they do come good against the Waratahs this week and prove me wrong but at the moment I can't say it's looking good for the Reds because I think the force as much as they're in a bit of the doldrums now they're gritty and they'll fight and they'll come back and once they get Chris Alcock back and then Matt Hodgson, I can see them making a bit of a run. Um, so that's the first question. Let's go. Question number two, Will. Will the Chiefs win Super Rugby in 2015? I'm going to say yes here. 
the three games I've watched of them so far, they they look brilliant. They absolutely dismantled the Crusaders uh, on the weekend, and um, and I thought I think everyone thought this would be sort of the match of the round and a really close contest, but um, the Chiefs just smashed them, and they and without some of their stars really firing yet, they've got so just seem to have a lot of depth. They've got all these sort of. Um, some of their sort of lesser-known players like uh, Locke, um, Matt Simons and um, the reserve uh, fly-half Damian McKenzie, who's sort of, an, sort of a revelation. He's only uh, 19 or 20, and um, they just look very good and uh, just have talent across the park, really. They're probably their one weakness is that their scrum's not super strong, but, um, look, their back line will take anyone apart. So I think they're the team to beat at this stage, and... Uh, from what I've seen of the other teams so far, I, I can't see anyone who's going to beat them. In. Yeah, I, I've got to agree with you there, Will. I, I'm, I'm answering yes sir, as well. I mean, the opposition this year, it's, it's not going to come from the South African Conference. They're peanuts. They won't, they won't figure. I mean, in Australia, you'd say the Waratahs and the Brumbies are the two standouts. And, it, and at the moment, it looks like the Hurricanes uh, from, from the New Zealand Conference. And the Chiefs have already beaten the Brumbies, albeit just but still came away with the points and, and really lashed out against the Crusaders. And, yes, they're slow starters, the Crusaders, and you'd be a fool to write them off. But, geez, the Chiefs are looking really good at the moment. And, and the only thing you can see getting in the way might be the New Zealand coaching staff coming in and saying they might have to rest a few of their star players as the, as the competition heats up. Um, they know how to win. They've got a coach who knows how to win. And the, and the nucleus of that, those competition-winning teams is still there. Guys like Sonny Bill, Sam Kane, Aaron Cruden. Um, yeah, it's a really intimidating side they've got. So I expect them to, to march all the way to the title this year again, which, I mean, I hope the Aussie teams give them a good shake, but I can, I can certainly see them raising the trophy. So third question, another big one. Will Lopetti Tamani play for the Wallabies this season? I'm going to say no here. He, he had a great first couple of games, then probably didn't really do a whole lot against the uh, the Brumbies on um, on Saturday night. And look, I'm I'm not sure. He, look, everyone thought he was a revelation after two games, but um, I'm not sure he's going to be able to continue that form. And um, I think there'll be a lot of hesitation to pick him at lock for the Wallabies this year. And we've got a huge number of back rowers, so. I think in a World Cup year, you've really got to, to sort of be able to make a debut and um, and then come through and play in the, in the World Cup. You either need to be just an absolute standout every week in Super Rugby or you need to, there to be a lot of injuries in, to give you a chance. So I'm hoping there won't be a lot of injuries. And um, look, I, I just don't think Lepetti has the consistency right now to uh, to achieve that. Which, uh, But look... It's great to see him playing really well in Super Rugby. I, I just think it's a hard, hard to ask to break into the Wallabies in a World Cup year. Okay, I'm going to disagree with you. I'm going to say yes. Um, I'm, I'm not a huge believer yet in Lepetti Tamani. I, I, I can't say I'm, I'm fully on the bandwagon, although this answer will probably get me some sort of seat up the very front. But I, I think it's at, at the moment it's hard to know what, what type of players Michael Check is really going to go for. You know when he has the controls, and I think our lock depth is really weak at the moment. And you know, with Rob Simmons injured and, and continues to be injury prone, Sam Carter's not in great form. Will Skelton is good, but there are big question marks over his performance. If Lapetti Tamani can piece together a really good super season and continue to outshine 
most of the other Australian Conference second rounds. I can certainly see him picking up that 30th or 31st spot on the plane, given his versatility as well, and and, and pulling on the shirt in in a game you know, against you know Fiji or, or or I think it's Russia's the other minute we're playing um, in the early rounds. So I, I can't see him suiting up you know in in the final against the All Blacks, but I certainly reckon he he's got a real chance of pinching a squad spot if he can continue this abrasive style that we know Michael Checker likes. Um, Sorry, I I certainly agree with you there that if there's one position in the side where where there is an opportunity for a bolter, it has to be at lock. Like it's, it was our Achilles heel last season. Um, We've got sort of a bunch of players who all have, all have issues. None, none of them are perfect. And um, yeah, if uh, there's going to be anyone who comes out of the woodwork and, and claims that sort of, what I think is is probably the fourth locking position. Um, Lopetti Tamani certainly certainly a chance, but look, I, I'm as I, as I was said earlier, I'm going to predict that uh, that Michael Checker ends up going with the uh, experienced players of um, Simmons, Carter, Horwell, and uh, Skelton as his four locks. But look, there's certainly a chance for someone to, and it could be Tamani to come and grab the grab that fourth spot. Time will tell, and the wonder of the burning question segment is. We're gonna. We'll have to pull these out down the track when, when, if or when they come to fruition, and and humiliate one of the two of us uh, on on a future podcast. So that that'll be great to hear. And and this next one certainly's got some potential for that. So here, here, have a think about this one, Will. Will the Wallaby number seven for the World Cup, the starting number seven for for the first big game, you'd say against I think it's uh, Wales. The Wallaby number seven for that game will be David Pocock. Again, I'm going to say it won't be. Um, a lot of people think he will get there, but and I think if he's fit, he'll be uh, in that squad. But look, I, I think he's got a, a mountain to climb to get past Michael Hooper, the uh, the incumbent Wallaby captain, um, who has really been in great form for the Wallabies for a couple of years. And look, everyone got excited when David Pocock played pretty well in the first round um, in what was a, a really a an absolute flogging by the of the the Brumbies over the Reds. Um, so it wasn't really the biggest challenge and, and he hasn't played since. So look, one decent game and then and then out for three rounds injured is, is not really the what David Pocock needs to be trying to fight for that uh, starting number seven spot. And look, Michael Hooper's sort of um, just his robustness and ability to play 80 minutes week in, week out is, is uh, going to get him there. And um, I think... For anyone to take that position away from him, they're going to have to be amazing, and uh, I'm not sure Pocock's going to do that. Yeah, yeah, the voice of reason here, Will, and, I, and I'm going to have to agree with you on this one. Um, again, uh, it's a little bit, it's hard to tell these questions after a few rounds of Super Rugby when, you know, historically a lot of the bigger players take time to warm up and, and some of the blokes can start well and, and, and fizzle out. Um, it's very hard to tell the Wallaby makeup at the moment, and, and you're right, Pocock. Look, I think, ask me in, in three or four weeks and the answer might change. If he continues to show good form, that leadership ability that he has, that you know that he's proven to have had over, over many seasons, that, that could really be in his favour uh, when it comes time for selection. If him and Michael Hooper are showing good, similar good form, and you can certainly see a scenario where Pocock starts and plays the first 40 and Michael Hooper comes on at halftime and plays the second 40. And, geez, that, that would be a, an enticing prospect with both players at full form. Or having a scenario where you play two two playmakers, as as happened a few years ago when when Hooper first came onto the scene. Um, but at the moment, you've got to say I, I'm I'm firmly in the Michael Hooper camp, and 
and I think he'll be pulling on that seven shirt. And nothing short of a miracle uh, run of form from David Pocock, which very much could happen, but uh, nothing's going to take that away from him. So moving on to the fifth question, and, and broadening ourselves out into the, into the international rugby at the moment, looking at the Six Nations, will Ireland make the World Cup semi-finals for the first time? I'm going to say yes, they will. And and I, I, I don't know if it's cheating or not, but I, I did look this up earlier. So they've got their, the other good team in their pool is France, and I, I think they'll uh, beat them. And then finishing top of their pool, they, they play the second team in a pool where uh, um, which does have the All Blacks, who should top it. But then Argentina would probably be the second team in that pool. So it's a pretty dream run for Ireland. they they beat France in their pool and they get a quarterfinal against Argentina and, and that puts them in the semis. So I, I think they'll get there. They're, they're looking very good. They're playing a very disciplined style of rugby with a very physical forward pack and, um, and just a brilliant kicking game. Like Johnny Sexton has got to be one of the, the better, one of the best tens in the world without doubt. He make, takes good options. He's got an excellent kicking game and, and they just, just play the percentages so well. Uh, and yeah, I think I think they've won ten in a row now. I think, and um, they will get to the uh, the semi-finals at the World Cup. So it'd be exciting, uh, exciting time for Ireland fans, and uh, could be record sales of Guinness uh, come uh, September, October. No, no, no! Back in your box, Ireland fans. They're not going to make the semi-finals because they never do. Ireland. <laughs> They're in great form at the moment, sure. And they might be in great form in the pool games. They might beat France like they beat Australia. But the one thing you can rely on at every World Cup is the Irish will choke in the quarters. And it doesn't matter who they're playing. If they come up against Argentina, they'll lose. If they come up against Samoa, they'll lose. If they come up against Georgia, I'm tipping Georgia in that game. <laughs> because the Irish, for whatever reason, are really battled to get past that quarterfinal. And it happened last in the last World Cup. They beat Australia. They look great but came out against Wales and, and bottled it. I mean, it was a good Welsh side, but they should have won that game. And I can't say I, uh, I have any faith that they'll do any better at the upcoming World Cup. So that, that's me putting putting it all on the line and prove me wrong, Ireland, prove me wrong. So you, you think they've the, got a bit of March World Champion syndrome, do oh, you? Oh, exactly. Here? And I'm more than happy for them to talk themselves up uh, with 10 on the trot. And that's great. Well done, guys. But uh, I very much doubt we'll be seeing you at the business end of the World Cup. And if we do, then I encourage you wholeheartedly to spam all of my social media uh, with complaints and taunts and personal abuse. And <laughs> I've put that on record on the podcast on the 4th of, 4th of March 2015. So there you go. So there's, that's my sign-off from the burning question segment. Uh, hopefully each of these can see me making an idiot of myself at some point. So something to look forward to for future segments. So... With that over, we, we now turn to the news of rugby in the week and, and one that's just broken, Will, I'm sure being a man who always has his finger on the pulse of rugby news, you've seen this, but it looks like Fox Sports have confirmed the future of the NRC until at least 2020, so for the next five years. As part of the new TV deal, uh, the future of the NRC is enshrined uh, in the agreement, which is absolutely fantastic news, isn't it? Oh, that is brilliant! It uh, and I, I'll admit I, I didn't know that one, so that's that's very exciting news and and certainly crucial for Australian rugby. And I think we've we've I think sort of the diehard rugby fans really enjoyed the NRC last year. It probably didn't didn't get sort of the following it it probably deserved, and there were some really good rugby played. But 
this season in Super Rugby, we're already seeing seeing the dividends it's paying because um, there are quite a few players who sort of made their, I guess, made their pro rugby debuts in the NRC who have now got contracts and doing the job at Super Rugby level. Uh, Sam Talakai started every game for the Reds and looked really solid in the scrum. Um, uh, Sefa Naivalu's been uh, been good for the Rebels coming off the bench and, and certainly looked at home in... Uh, Super Rugby, and um, then for the force, uh, is it uh, Katika made his debut on on um, Friday night. So those those uh, NRC players are not just sort of getting opportunity, getting sort of contracts in Super Rugby, but they're also getting opportunities and doing well. And um, it's crucially important for Australian rugby because I think it really connects the dots between sort of the amateur level and the and the sort of full-time professional level of super rugby and it's what we need to really sort of uh i think be competitive with uh, the the best couple of sides in the world over the long term exactly i agree and and talking to blake enova uh listeners would have heard before i mean he just you know was really glowing about the nrc and how it, it uh helped him develop his game and and um really enjoyable form of rugby playing for Queensland country. So obviously the players are right behind it. And the good news about this securing the future for, for five years is it really gives the teams a chance to bed themselves down and not have to be looking over their shoulder and worrying if the, if the team's going to be around next year. And so they can really put roots into to their local communities and, and, and help uh, spread the word. And, and I hope the AU can come to the table a bit more uh, with the marketing, which, which is uh, – probably the, the one piece of the puzzle that's missing for the upcoming competition. So uh, let's hope we can see the NRC really become a permanent fixture in Australian rugby. So that's absolutely fantastic news. And I encourage everyone to check out the Daily Telegraph tomorrow. It looks like Ian Payton's got that yarn. So, yeah, um, Will, anything else that's caught your attention in, in the world of rugby this week? Well, uh, Carmichael Hunt has his uh, first mention in court tomorrow. So that will be an interesting one because I think it's it's the first time we'll hear the uh, what the uh, the crown's full charge is against him, and that might give a better indication of, of what might happen as the year plays out. I think um, sort of I guess once uh, the Reds and the AOU digest what happens tomorrow in terms of that charge, we'll, we'll get a better idea of whether we will see Carmichael Hunt back training and playing pretty soon, or whether uh, we probably don't see him at all this year. So. Uh, I think th- th- how serious it sounds will, will play a big part in that. Um, so yeah, that, that's quite a big one to look for tomorrow. I'm sure the uh, the rugby journos around the country will be reporting that one with uh, keen yeah. interest. All journos, I think. It, I think it'll be uh, eyes of the sporting world. So that'll be one to look out for. But uh, I think that that wraps us up for the week, Will. And and uh, yeah, thanks for joining me on on. I've got to say one of the one of the all time best podcasts. This this. Uh, sites ever produced i gotta say we've cut out a lot of dead weight and uh turns it back to just the two real you know the two let's face it smartest blokes on the site so no no surprise that it's been a great one so thanks thanks for joining me <laughs> lower banjo qu- content this week <laughs> yes yeah again and we'll have our have our gloating one next week as the waratahs will be celebrating a victory uh but look for a great game up at suncourt so that's Excellent. that's it. Yeah, that's that's it for the week, guys. Thanks for joining us, and look forward to uh, joining you next week with it with another Green and Gold Rugby podcast. Thanks, thanks for joining us. Cheers. Thanks you. Yeah, I thought he was alright.